chapter 15, beginning at verse 11 and ending at verse 24. St. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11 through verse 24. And we want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this house. Again, St. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And I believe all of us are familiar with this passage. And it reads, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey unto a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swines did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fattest calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. You may be seated. Today I want to talk about sons of God. Sons of God. I not only want to talk about sons of God, but I want to talk about knowing that you're sons of God. When we say sons of God, you may see it in the Bible as uh, children of God. You may see it that way, but it's still talking about sons of God. When the Lord laid this on my heart, it was um, doing the anniversary, and we went over a lot of things in the anniversary of how the pattern of the church should be. When we don't know how God's way of doing is, we can bring division to the body of Christ. When we don't know the way that God wants things to be, you will have a divided house, and the enemy know that, and that house will not stand. So when you don't know who you are, now that you're in Christ, you're trying to find your own identity. And when you become born again, your identity is not based on you no more. Your identity is based on who you are now that you're in Christ. This is why when we look at this parable... We don't just read this parable, but we ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me with this parable? And when this, when he was talking about his two sons, he had two sons and the younger son, he wanted his inheritance because he wanted to leave his father's house. And the older son also got his inheritance, but he stayed with his father. 
So this younger son wanted to do things the way of the world. And we have still a lot of folk that are Christians trying to do things the way of the world. When you're trying to do things the way of the world, you don't know your sonship. You don't know who you are. You really don't even know your father. When you're trying to keep up to the world, the way the world dress, the way the world is standing out, or anything that pertains to the world, and you're trying to resemble the world, you really don't know who you are. Because it's not about you being what the world is being, but it's about you being who you are now that you're in Christ. So we see that he gave him his, his inheritance and he left. But we see that this son took his inheritance and we know he was partying. He was living, you know, just like the world was living. And he ended up spending all that he had. And by spending all that he had, a famine came in the land and he didn't have nothing to live off of. He became, he needed, you know, substance. He needed things. But then it went on to say that he did get a job. Wow, isn't that something? He knew that if he don't work, he don't eat. Come on. This one that had all of this money, had sense enough to know, had common sense. Now, this is common sense. I need to get a job. Some of us feel like we don't need to work. We're going to still wait on the Lord. That's out. No, that's not being a son. That's not the way the word of God teaches us. So he did go out and get him a job. He was feeding the swine and he would have ate what the swine was eating, but they offered him none. But finally, this son came to his senses. Now, how would this son, it said that he came to himself. Why would it say he came to himself? Because I believe his father raised him in a way to know right from wrong. He raised him in a way to let him know godly living versus worldly living. So it said when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So he humbled himself. Sometimes things that you go through put you in a humbling state. Sometimes we go through different things, and sometimes those things are good for us to go through because it puts us in a place of knowing, I do need a Savior. I do need help from God. Some of us that are so prideful, we still feel like we don't need nobody because we got money in the bank. But when money cannot run you no more, when that money is not there and you seeing yourself go through, not even um, yourself, but your family, your children go through, that's when we become humble. Some of us, at least some of us come, become humble, but some of us be so stubborn and so full of pride, we're still not willing to hum humble ourselves because we don't want people to see us outside of who we appear to be. So this, this young son, he said, I'll go back and I'll be a servant. So he was humbling himself. So it says, and when he went back, he said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he was really ready to take on a servant instead of a son. That's being humble. But when his father, he said, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father did not look at him spinning everything he had. The father didn't look at the way he lived. He didn't look at none of that. He just came and had compassion on his son. 
That's what we're supposed to have on one another. We're supposed to have compassion when it comes to people that do not know God as their Lord and Savior. We don't look at them based on what they're doing, what they have done, or how they're doing it. We have a problem in the church. We're the church. We have a problem judging people by how they live and what they did. I'm here to tell everybody in this place today, he who have not sinned, let them cast the first stone. I don't care how a person is living or what they're doing. When they're willing to humble themselves before God. When they're willing to say, Lord, I can't do this no more. You don't go on what they said before. You don't go on what they did before. You do just like your father. That's what a son does. That's how you know that you are son of God. When you don't look at people. We, we judge people by appearance. We judge people by what they say. But when a person is ready to turn from the way that they're living and they're really in a humbling state, that's when you can catch them. That's when you can wrap your arms around them, not go into them and say, see, I told you. You had to go through. This had to happen to you. Now you're ready to come to God. No, that's not what the father did. The father loved on him. He had compassion on him. That's what the father does. And if we are children of God, if we are a child of God, if we are sons of God, we love on people outside of what they do. That's what the church does. We don't beat them up. We don't condemn them. We love them in spite of them. We don't have to like what they do. We don't have to agree with what they do. But we still show compassion. So then, this is what he did. And the son said it to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But look what the father said. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. He didn't tell him to get something that wasn't, wasn't worth anything. He said, bring forth the best robe. I don't want you to go get anything except the best. I want y'all to pay attention to this. I don't want you to go get anything except the best. Oh, I'm going somewhere. See, when we give somebody something, we give them the best. We don't give them something we don't want. We give them the best outside of how they treated us, outside of what they done. We don't go in our closet and say, I'll just give them this and say, I done something. No, we go find the finest thing in our closet and we let them know how loved they are. It said he gave him the, he said, bring forth the best robe. See, when we go into the word of God, bringing forth that best robe is putting him, it's restoring him back to his right, rightful place. So what the father was saying, I want everybody to see outside of what my son done, I'm restoring him. I'm putting him back into his rightful place. When we look in the word of God and we look at this robe, we can see in Zechariah 3, verse 3 through 4. It reads, Joshua was wearing dirty, filthy clothes and was standing in front of the angel, the messenger, 
The angel messenger said to those standing in front of him, take off those dirty, filthy clothes. Then the angel said to Joshua, look, I have taken away your sin, your iniquity from you, and I'm giving you beautiful, fine clothes, festal robes. He was giving him the finest thing because he was taking away his iniquity. He was taking away that filth from him. Do you recognize that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he took away all of that. He has given you the finer things. He has restored you. He has put you back into your rightful place with him. You are a son. When we say sons, it's dealing with male and female. You are a son. You are a child of the king. You are children of God. So he gave him the best robe. Not only did he do that, he said, now give him the best robe and put it on him. Not only give it to him, but put it on him. When you put something on somebody, they're wearing that thing, right? They're looking good in that thing. How do you know people like what you give them? Because every now and then you see them wear it, right? They'll love what you have given them and they'll wear it. This is why I tell people, if somebody buy you something, be upfront and honest with them and say, you know, I appreciate what you have bought me. I know, you know, you wanted me to have it, but that's not just, that's not me. Some people take stuff and put it in the back of the closet and act like, oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, and you never see it. You may see it on somebody else, but you ain't going to see it on that person. This is why you tell people, you know, thank you so much, but that's just not me. That may be you, but that's not me. I dearly appreciate it. But why have people to spend their money like that? And you know you don't want it. That's not being a child of God. A child of God would tell you the truth. Amen. So he had to put on that robe and he put on, he said, put the robe on him. Why? He wanted them to see that he was dressed in his son in the finest. He wanted them to see I'm dressing him in the best. I'm restoring him back to his rightful place. And then he said, and put a ring on his hand. Putting that ring on his hand, it symbols authority. Not only is he in right standing with me, but being that he's in right standing with me, where in the word of God, where it says he who knew no sin became sin for us so we can become the righteousness of God in him. And now that we are in right standing with God, God has given us authority. This is why it says that the heavens and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He has given us the right to rule and reign on this earth. He has given us the authority on this earth. So when we look at that, he has that ring on his finger. So he's put into that position of authority. When you go into the word of God, and this one is is sort of long, but I want you to see what was happening here. Go in Genesis 41, 37 through 44. Genesis 41, 37 through 44. This is talking about Joseph. And I know we're familiar with this. Y'all know what happened to Joseph. Joseph was in the pit because of jealousy. Then he went to prison because of jealousy. But then he went to the palace. So this is what happened in verse 37. When Joseph had revealed the dream unto the king. In Genesis 41, 37 it says... This seemed like a very good idea to the king. 
the thing, the word was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. And he called all his officers, servants, and they agreed. And the king asked them, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a better man than Joseph to take this job? God's spirit is truly in him. So Pharaoh was seeing that the spirit of God was in Joseph because Joseph revealed something that his musicians, sorcerers, and nobody could reveal. So the king, Pharaoh, said to Joseph, God has shown you all of this. There is no one as wise and understanding, discerning as you are. So I will put you in charge of my palace house. All the people will obey your orders and only in terms of the throne, I will be greater than you. When you look at this, Pharaoh is representing God. Joseph is representing Jesus. So what Pharaoh was saying is, you will be in charge. You will have the right to rule and reign, but one thing you won't be doing is ruling over me. But the people will know that you are in charge, that you have this authority. Then the king, and how he made this real, the king, Pharaoh, said to Joseph, Look, I have put you in charge of all the land of Egypt. Then the king, Pharaoh, took off from his own finger his ring with the royal seal on it, and he put it on Joseph's finger. He gave Joseph fine linen clothes. Look how all of this is coming together. He gave Joseph fine linen clothes to wear, and he put a gold chain around Joseph's neck. All this symbols of authority. The king had Joseph ride in the second royal chariot, and people walked ahead of his chariot, calling, bowing down. By doing these things, the king put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Now, this is what God did. God put us in charge of what happens here on the earth. So if anything get done on the earth, it gets done through us. So while we're calling on God, God is saying, I have given you the right to reign and rule here as sons. And that's what you're supposed to be doing as a son, ruling and reigning. This is what the prodigal son father did for him. He gave him the robe. Not only did he give him the robe, putting him back in right standing, putting, um, letting him know that he was worthy to be a son, but he put a ring on his finger and that ring symbolized authority, the right he had to rule and reign as his son. Not only did he do that, but he turned around his son when he was, uh, came to him, he had no shoes on his feet. So he said, I want you to put shoes on his feet. Why did he put these sandals, these shoes on his feet? He said, because you no longer a slave. He said, you're no longer going to be a servant. He said, when you put on these shoes, you're going to be a son. You're not in bondage no more. See, the reason why God is saying this, the church is living like slaves. We're not living like sons. We're living like slaves. God has given us the best of everything which belongs to him. And we're living like we have nothing. And then some um, people in the church which we're the church, get upset because you got people living like sons and you get jealous because they're living like sons and you're not living like a son. They ain't nobody fault but yours. See, this is why we need to know what we have. We need to know what God has given us as his sons. He let him know you're no longer a servant. He said, you are a son and that's how I want you to live like you are a son and not a servant. Ask your neighbor, say, are you living like a son or a servant? 
Some of us really don't know. Because we're not taking the Bible for what it is. God wants us to live like sons and not servants. And when we're living like a son, we're representing and we're reflecting him. Now let me go back and talk a little bit about Genesis again. And this is going to bring some things to your remembrance. How God set things up the way he wanted to be in the first three chapters of Genesis. We see how God set up everything in Eden before he put man in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. So everything that man needed, it was there in that garden. And what God did, he walked with them. He talked with them. He had fellowship with them in that garden. There was nothing missing. There was nothing broken. Every need was met in that garden. God was fellowshipping with Adam and Eve. The enemy, he was after the authority. He was after the right to rule and reign. He knew God wasn't going to give it to him, but he knew that he could get that right through who God created, which he did, right? But that's not the, the, um, the way God wanted it was in Genesis 1 and 2, right? We know in Genesis 3, it was messed up. So we have to live the way God wants us to live, and that's not according to the flesh, but it's according to the spirit. But I want to go back to Jesus. When everything was messed all up, God couldn't find no one that did not have sin to put things back the way God wanted it to be. So it was Jesus. So Jesus walked this earth, y'all, as a son. He was in a fleshly body, but he walked this earth as a son presenting to us how his father wanted things to be. I'm going to say it again. The word became flesh according to John, the first chapter, did it not? It said the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld what? And his glory was full of what? Truth. So the same thing that Jesus done is what we supposed to be doing. See, Jesus came and he represented his father because Jesus said everything that he did, he didn't do it outside of his father. Jesus said what the father said. He did what the father did. Nothing was outside of the father because he was a son and he was here to represent the way of the father. He was showing us the kingdom of God through him. This is why he said, repent, have a change of mind, turn from the world, turn unto God. He said, for the kingdom has come. The kingdom is nigh who? You. The kingdom, the kingdom is in us. So Jesus represented him. How did he represent him? Jesus represented him as Jehovah Jireh. He showed us that the Lord will provide. How did he do that with the two fish? The five loaves of bread. Guess what? Jesus already had Jehovah Jireh in him. He already had the self-existing God in him. But the thing was, he had to let him out of him. He had to let people know who he represented. So when he did the two fish and the five loaves of bread, and he looked up to heaven to give God thanks for what he had, now he said, give it unto the people. What was he doing? He was showing them Jehovah what am I saying to you the same Jehovah Jireh that was with him 
The day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you became the sons of God. So the same rights that Jesus have, you have. You are an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So the same God that Jesus was representing, now you are representing Jesus So Jesus knew what was in him. So whatever the need was, Jesus just let it out of him. See, this is why you got to know what you have so you'll be able to let out of you what you got. If you don't know what you got, you're going to be begging just like somebody with nothing. You're going to be asking God for something you already have. So Jesus knew him as Jehovah Jireh, so he presented to them Jehovah Jireh. So everywhere you go, whatever the need is, you're supposed to present who God is. Not only did Jesus present him, him as Jehovah Jireh, he presented him as Jehovah Rapha, a God who heals. When the woman had the issue of blood and she heard about Jesus, she came to Jesus. She touched his um, clothing. She touched him, which was the word. She was healed. Why? Because she believed in what Jesus had. Jesus was the healer. Because healing was in him and he only let the healing out of him because he knew what was in him. Do you know what's in you? See, as a son of God, you're supposed to know what you have. So Jesus healed. He healed the man with the withered hand. He healed the blind man. Everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus didn't ask them to heal him. When he saw that they needed healing, he let the healer out of him. Oh my goodness. And he didn't do it with no long drawn out prayers. He just said, go. Be healed. He didn't sit there and pray like the Pharisees to draw up attention. He just knew his authority and he knew his rights over what God had given him. He just released what was in him. When you don't know what's in you, you can't release it. God has blessed the works of our hands. He has given us power to get wealth. So whatever God gives you, whatever he placed in in your hands, it's already blessed. It's already a done deal. But he needs for us to know what we have so we will be using what we have to bring him glory. It's not to bring us glory. It's to bring him glory. So Jesus did not operate outside of the Father. Now go to St. John, the 14th chapter. Let me read this to you. St. John 14, 7 through 12, expanded. Now listen at this. Jesus was telling his followers, his disciples, that he was going to go away. He was telling them to let not their heart be troubled. But when we look at verse 7, this is what he said. If you really knew me, you would know my father too. Let's stop right there. When people see you, they shouldn't actually see you. They should see Jesus. If they're seeing you, then you're doing it. It's not him. He said, if you really knew me, you would know my father too. But now and from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now listen at this, what Philip had audacity to say. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. That is all we need. 
How many people have you been around? And you speaking truth to them. You telling them what the word of God says. And they'll look back at you and say, what do I need to do? You showing them the father. You giving them the answer from heaven. But they so in tune with the way the world does. Or the way they think things need to do. Be done. They're saying, well, what do I need to do? Jesus answered. I have been with you a long time now and all this time for so long. Do you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has been, has seen me has seen the father. Jesus was sure of that thing. Are you sure today that when people see you, they see the father? Are you really confident in that? Who are you showing them? Jesus knew who he was showing them. He was showing them the Father. So why do you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you don't come from me on my own authority. But the Father lives, remains, abides in me and he does his own work. Believe me when I say I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or believe because of the miracles I have done, the works themselves. I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Those who believe will even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. (laughs) They will do greater things because all believers, not just Jesus... We do greater things because we have the Holy Spirit. So the same thing that Jesus done, we supposed to be doing them. That's how people know you sons. Some people stand up and want people to know I have tongues. I'm, 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 I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor. I'm this. I'm that. Then you know what? They, you're not showing them sonship. You showing them you. Because those gifts and those ministries that Jesus left for the church was to get you to the place of sonship. Not to get you in the place of ownership. (laughs) The highest rank in the kingdom is sonship. It ain't apostle. It ain't pastor. It ain't teacher. It ain't evangelist. Ain't none of them titles. When God, you stand before God, you're going to stand before him as a son. The only reason these titles are in the church is to get the church where they need to be until Jesus come. It's to get you to recognize sonship. That's why apostle is the one that lays the foundation. That pioneers that govern to make sure what's laid is carried out. This is what what apostles does. And if it's not carried out accordingly, apostles have to go in there and root it out. Oh, Lord, have mercy. See, when you don't understand stuff, that's when division come in the church. That's why you got to be taught. God want all of us to know that we are sons, that we are children of God. 
It's too much division. It's too many people. Anytime somebody tell you, hello, I'm apostle. It's about you. Hello, I'm an evangelist. Stand before the Father and say, hello, I'm an apostle. You spend all this time and still don't know who you are. Let's go back on your jobs. You have to have people over you and you up under them to know how to fulfill your position. It ain't for you to take a supervisor position when you are not a supervisor. It is for you to be under that supervisor and taking instructions from that supervisor and doing what that supervisor do because the supervisor get their instructions from somebody that's above them. And the person that's above them get theirs from the top dog. See, when you don't know order, God had to put order in the church to keep the church functioning here on earth the way he wanted to be functioning in heaven. The churches are out of order because they're making positions higher than sonship. Too many people are after title than being who they supposed to be, sons. The title is not what make you. The title is the function. So Jesus said, I've been this long time with you. This is why I say, when you spend time with a person, and that person is representing Jesus, they're acting as a son. And you spend time with them, And you see how they operate according to the promises of God. And when somebody come to you and talk about them or do different things that's that's not lining up, you don't supposed to join that. You don't supposed to be a part of that. That's not what sons do. The sons do what Jesus done if you have ought against your brother. Come on, that's a son. See, he's raising you up to be mature in the body of Christ. You got to line up with God's way of doing things and not our way of thinking it need to be done. Traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. We don't want to have Pharisees and Sadducees in the body of Christ because that's not how it was set up. When we go back, when you go back to John, the third chapter, y'all remember when, um, who was it? He was talking to Jesus, Nicodemus. Listen at what Nicodemus told Jesus. I like this. He said in verse 18. No, I'm sorry. John the third chapter. He told Jesus in verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man could do these miracles that thou does except God be with him. Nicodemus even knew. What you doing? I know it had, you had to be sent from God. How many people have told you lately, I know God sent you? Some of us are going with the wrong motives. See, your heart got to be right before God. When your heart is right before God, 
then when you go and you are representing God, people are going to know that God sent you and you're not coming on your own accord. That's what sons do. You don't go outside of God's will. And the reason you don't go outside of God's will is because you love God. And you love God because you know that God first loved you. And because you love God, you can love your neighbor as yourself. And the love that you have for God, you keep his commandments. You don't want to go outside of his commandments. Do we mess up? Yes. But when we mess up, we say, God, Forgive me for what I have done. And you change and you turn for that, but you don't stay in that because you love God so much because you're his son. That means you don't hate people. You love people because God ain't about hate. He's about love. That's representing son. And God said we need to manifest sonship. We need to make it known. How do we make it known? The more you in your word, the more you're going to manifest who you are in him as a son. If I'm manifesting all the time, I'm a great apostle. I'm a chief apostle. Treat me like an apostle. Somebody needs to say, go sit down. Rebuke me. That's what the word do. The word supposed to bring rebuke, correction. The word supposed to do all of that. And when you rebuke a person in the church, people get mad and say, you shouldn't have done that. Who are you? You don't know who you are. Because if I go outside of the word, I'm not doing what God told me to do as a son. So we need to follow what God is telling us to follow and quit looking at pleasing man instead of God. When we go and we look in the word of God. Everything that Jesus taught those disciples, they did. They followed Jesus because Jesus was following the Father. So everything that Jesus done, they did. This is what we supposed to do. We supposed to live according to the word, not according to how we feel. Everything that the word says, we supposed to do it. Is that not what Mary told uh, told them? Everything that he say, do it. Why? Because when you have that fellowship with him, you're trusting him. You're not leaning on your own understanding, your own way of doing things. You're trusting in him and knowing this is God's way and not my way. You living as a son. Now, why are, why are some of us not living as sons? I'm going to tell you why. Go to Romans 8. To be a son... You have to be born again. That's according to John, the first chapter. You can go ahead to Romans 8. That's John, the first chapter. Verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we know when you're born again, you become a son. You have rights to rule and reign here on this earth. You consider kings. You consider priests. Come on, y'all. We're sons. Now, Romans 8. The reason why some people are not living as sons. Let me start with verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who? In us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The reason why we're not living as sons because we're walking after the flesh. We're doing what the flesh want us to do. We live according to the spirit, 
not according to the flesh. Everybody know what flesh does. You have many manifestations of the flesh. We don't supposed to manifest the flesh. We supposed to manifest the spirit. And if we're manifesting the spirit, we're manifesting the sons of God. So he said you can't live after the flesh. And then it says, for they that after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. What are fleshly things? Adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, backbiting, jealousy, envy, scrap. Come on, I name a few. Envy, strife, offense. You minding the things of the flesh. That's what flesh does. When you got born again. The part of you that got born again was your spirit. The old nature in you died. That old nature, sin nature was controlling you. When the commandments told you not to, that nature that used to be in you would rise up and it would compel you to sin. So that's what you was used to. But when you got saved and got the Holy Spirit in you, guess what? That old nature died. It was done away with. The Holy Spirit is there to convict you of righteousness, to show you how to live according to God and not according to the world. So when you live in according to the flesh, guess what happened? When the old nature died, it already had some way of, ways of doing already in you. In your mind, in your heart, in your thoughts. So this here is saying that we do not live according to the flesh. We live according to the spirit. God had to give us his spirit to show us how to live the life he want us to live. Isn't that wonderful? So then it goes on to say, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. If you're with a Christian... And they say they're they're Christian. They're saying that they're born again. They're saying that they're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then they don't supposed to be living according to the flesh. They don't supposed to be doing what the world is doing. They don't supposed to be acting and talking like the world. They don't supposed to be dressing like the world. They don't supposed to be watching what the world do so they can do it. That's living according to the flesh. They need to be checked. Or you need to separate yourself. Because you're supposed to be living a sanctified life. He said, be ye holy because I am holy. That means live a sanctified life. Live a set apart life. To let them know that's where I used to be. But that's not who I am now. I am a son. I am a child of God. And this is how I roll. I don't roll like I used to. I don't talk like I used to. I'm not who I used to be. And if you're seeing me that way, I got to go shut myself off. And I got to examine myself in the faith to see who I am. Oops. There it is. Come on, we go to, go to doctors and we get examinations when stuff is going on. Examine me. See what's going on in me. See what's happening to me. I just ain't feeling quite well. I'm a little off today. So I need for you to help me. And whatever that doctor prescribed, based on what you told him, you pop it and you take it because you know you don't want to feel like you feeling. But I'm here to tell you that God got some medication. That when you got an anger problem, the Bible say, be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on 
Come on, you got. Be slow to speak. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. And then you'll be what? Slow to write. Come on, I got some medication up here. Come on, that's why you have to go to the Father and say, I got anger issues. I got offense issues. I got stubborn issues. I got rebellion issues. I got some issues and it shouldn't be this way because I'm born again. See, I'm humbling myself because I know that I have put on some righteousness. That don't mean just because you saved, you ain't going to get angry. That don't mean just because you saved, you ain't going to take offense. That does not mean just because you saved, you ain't going to get jealous. But when them things pop their head up, you have come out of Christ and you in you. Come on, you better say, you died. What you popping up for today? What you jealous about? No, that ain't me. That's not me. Come on, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't stay here, Uh uh-uh. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Come on. Brother Rick, stand here again, you tall. Patricia, stand behind your husband, stand up in the front. I'm going to show you something. No, you in the back of him, I'm sorry. How much of Patricia do y'all see? Not much, very little. Now, Patricia getting mad at that husband. Pop that head out, Patricia. See, see, she, I said pop the head out. She popping the head. See, see what I'm saying? She popping him upside the head. Did she come out from the spirit and she's in the flesh? Who are we seeing? Christ in Patricia, the hope of glory. He's in front of Patricia. So everywhere she go, they supposed to see him. But when she get mad at her husband, pop that hand again, Patricia. Who y'all see? When she's talking about that husband all the time, who y'all see? Christ in you, the hope of glory. They don't supposed to see you. They supposed to see him. No matter how upset you are, they still supposed to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you always talking about my ministry. My job, my car, my house, my kids, nothing belonged to you. Not even your kids. Stand up here in front of the preachers. I want to dedicate my baby to God. Sprinkle them. You know what I tell them? I say, stop all that. Because before you stand up here with me, where you taking them babies at? Are you taking that baby back into a house with drinking, smoking, cussing? Are you, are you going to take the, how can you give a child to God and then you letting them go into an environment like the world? See, when Christ is in you, the hope of glory, they're supposed to see him all the time. Even when you mess up, they still supposed to see him because you saying, uh-uh, that's not how he is. That's not how I'm going to be. Because he's in me and I'm in him and I represent him. I'm supposed to resemble him. So remember, every time women, every time men, we want to cut up. You better remember, it's Christ in you. The hope of glory and you are representing him. Anytime your head stick out, that's flesh. Thank y'all. That's flesh. Flesh want to pop its head out. Come on, you ain't too saved to have offense because these things will come. He know that they're going to come, but woe be 
on the one who bring it. So this is why if we're going to live like him, the only way we can do it is through this word. We don't mind the things of the flesh. We mind the things of the spirit. And then he breaks it down. He said, for to be carnally minded, that's fleshly minded, is death. When we're in the flesh, it's death. Sin is death. That means you bring in death in your house. That means you bring in sin in your house. When you got a fence and you don't deal with it, it's in your house. So anything that you... That's why God tells you, if you got ought, go to your brother. Oh, I got something good for y'all. I'm going to get to it in this scripture. Hold on. Because see, we're missing it. We're missing what God want to do because we're in the flesh. He said to be fleshly minded, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded. Mm, I want some of that. Is life and peace. How many... When you're in the flesh, your blood pressure is up. When you're in the flesh, you feel weak. (laughs) When you're in the flesh, you feel sick. That's death. Because anger makes you sick. But when you're in, how many know when you're in the spirit? And when somebody's talking about you? Spreading lies about you, but you still have life. And you have you some peace. Because you know who you are. Now that you're in Christ and you don't have to justify that mess. Anytime that you're out of life and peace, you're in the flesh and you're walking as a dead man. But then look at what else he says. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject uh-uh, to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Y'all catch this. The enemy know. If I can get you in a flesh, in the flesh, you're an enemy. You coming against your father. You're not walking as a son. The enemy knows this. So he wants you to stay in the flesh. Not in the spirit. Come on, if you in the flesh, quit getting up in church and say, I thank God that he saved me. He raised me. He accepted me. I've been accepted in the beloved. I've been adopted, y'all, this morning. Y'all, I know I'm a child of God. You lying. A child of God don't hold grudges with the person sitting down beside you, which is your husband. Getting up in church line. Oh, yes, he did. He woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. Ain't he a good God, somebody? Mm. Oh, yes, he is. Can I get a... Don't witness that. Y'all being a witness with a hypocrite. And the husband sitting there. You don't need God. What's that song? 
you don't love God? What's wrong with you? I love God. I hear that too, but they all over the place with it. And people just praising God off of it and they life that the person is singing ain't loving God. Mm-hmm. See, this is what people doing now. They're trying to say they love God, but they're doing things opposite to what God does. When you, let me ask you something. I love my daddy. He's my father. I love him. And if I love him, I ain't going to do nothing to hurt him. I ain't going to say nothing against him to hurt him. Or if I think I said anything against him to hurt him, I'm going to ask him, daddy, that was inappropriate. Forgive me for what I said. That's when you show love. But when you know you hurt somebody and you go on like you haven't hurt nobody and you say you serving God, that's a lie. That's not what sons do. A son is quick to apologize. A son is quick to say I was wrong. A son is quick to humble themselves up under the mighty hand of God. And then he will exalt you in due season. A son is quick to have their feelings hurt. Because it ain't about no feelings. A son is quick to say, God, what's going on with me? Mm -hmm. See, I don't want to be in the flesh. Flesh brings death. I don't want to die before my time. What about you? So listen at this, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please. Is that what, is that what your Bible says? Let's read it again. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please who? Did y'all know flesh don't please God? When you carry an offense, hatred, bitterness, wrath. Jealousy, envy, backbiting. When you carry all those things, it is not pleasing God. But ye are not in the flesh. You may walk after the flesh, but if you're born again, you're not in the flesh. Do y'all understand that? He said, but you're not in the flesh. But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So when you cutting up and you born again, you, you're after the flesh. You're not in it, but you're living after the flesh. You're doing what the flesh wants you to do. And that's when you need to get control of the flesh. You need to kill it. How do you kill it? With the word. It's going to keep popping back up. I don't care how many times you shoot it. As long as you own this earth, you can shoot it 20, 40, 50, 60, 70 times. That flesh going to, what you say? Okay, I'll give you an example. Vanish Newton. If Mishan slapped you in the back of your head. And maybe he didn't mean to slap you in the back of your head. He just tapped your head. So you just let it ride. Did somebody hit me back? So you let it go. Then all of a sudden, now I know he got better sense. 
And they keep tapping me in the back of my head. You let it ride. So all of a sudden, me shine do. Oh, you done it now. What flesh do? Who don't do it? Who, who don't do it? Now, that was one time. That was two. But the third time, I'm going to knock you out. I'm still saved. <laughs> I'm going to repent after I knock you out. That's what grace does. See, that's mixed up. See, because grace would turn around in a loving way and say, Mishan, are you okay, son? Are you feeling okay today? Is everything all right with your wife? Did you meant to hit her and you just hit me? That's understandable. But did you recognize you hit me one time? You hit me too. But the third time, you act like you want to knock me out. Did you want to knock your wife out? It's okay. Whom God joined together. Let no man separate. I don't want to get in between that, but don't hit me again. Still wasn't nice. But that's how some people do. Don't they? They try to act like they were being nice about their situation. They that are in the flesh cannot please. Oh, let's, let's do this one. What I said was not appropriate, Michelle. Now listen. What I said was true, but it's how I said it. So forgive me for what I said. It was wrong. Will you forgive me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We brothers and sisters, I forgive you. Two weeks later. All of a sudden, I know he didn't hit me. I believe he did hit me. And Kathy, I... Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah to the king. And going back into praise and worship like nothing happened. Guess what, y'all? I'm not talking about a real hit. I'm talking about what's in you. How you hitting somebody while they're in worship. In your mind. That's fleshly. You want to knock them out for what they said before and didn't apologize. And it keep rising up. Have y'all ever had it to rise up so you already saw yourself in the act of slapping them upside the head? That's fleshly. See, if you don't deal with these things according to the word, it builds up. And somebody else end up getting what somebody else should have gotten. So that's why we deal with it. We don't let it lay. Some people, this is how they deal with stuff. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they have done. Well, maybe they don't know what they've done. That's why you go to your brother and say, Hey, you may not have been aware of this, but you hit me. Give them an opportunity to say, Oh, I didn't mean to. Because some people can be talking and hit somebody and just having a conversation. And that person already in a bad mood. And then you hold that for five years. 
Do you remember, Apostle, when you was in church and you flung your hand and you hit me? Somebody else was over there. Why didn't you hit them? What are you talking about? What are you? I don't remember that. Well, let me, let me ask Sister Deborah. She was standing right there when you hit me. You were talking to Toya and you turned around and I stood there and you slapped me in the mouth. When was this? 2019. What year is this? 2022. And you expect me to remember me slapping you. So evidently it wasn't deliberately. Because if it was deliberately, I can tell you, yeah, I slap you. What's wrong with the church? You're not acting like sons. You're acting like the world. You're acting immature. You need to be taught. I'm going to keep right on going. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. I'm going to give you an example. (laughs) Y'all see right here? You know this is where they put bodies, right? And y'all know this is where they marry people at too, right? Right in front of the altar. Wonder why they bring a body here and marry folk here. Because you're supposed to be dead. If I went up to this dead body, whoever's in this casting, and I look at them and say, you just as ugly as you were when you were born. That body ain't going to say nothing. It ain't going to move. It's dead. That's how you're supposed to be. Willie. Really? <laughs> I'm big on Willie. Did y'all hear me? Have y'all ever seen a body jump up? If somebody go to that casting and punch it, I owe you that. (laughs) Have you ever seen a body jump up? Not Not unless it's resurrected. That body don't say nothing. We supposed to be dead. Let me read it. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen at this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwell in you. Our bodies are made alive through the spirit. So what happens being that you are spirit being, there's life in your spirit. There's life, not death. So in your soul, that's what we deal with. When you renew your mind according to the word of God, the spirit is going to release life to your body. Your body is going to be quick and it's going to be made alive and you ain't going to be living in the flesh no more. Do you know why? We're not seeing the miracles, the healings and things that we need to see. God don't manifest himself in this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Bible said he will manifest. When you're walking in love, faith operates by what? 
You can't go up to somebody and hate them and expect something to manifest. How can you say you love God and hate me? How can you say that? That's not a son of God. I still love God, but I hate you. You need to be delivered. Because God ain't about hate. He is about love. Therefore, brethren, we're not debitors. We are debitors not to the flesh to live after. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall. But if through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are. When you're led by the spirit, you're not living according to the flesh. When you're living according to the flesh, you are led by the flesh. The ones that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. So when you're in your flesh, you're not being a son of God. You're letting the flesh rule you. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Y'all look at this. We supposed to be living as the sons of God. But if you're living in malice, anger, Strife, resentment, bitterness. If you're living in all of those things, you're after the flesh. And this is why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to teach us. He's there to lead and guide us. He's there to bring the word to our remembrance. He's there to reveal to us, make things known to us. He only testifies of truth. So he's there to help us, y'all. But you have, you have to want the help. You got to say, God, I need help in this area. I have become bitter instead of better with this person. See, the ones that's really crying out to God with their whole heart for help, just like the prodigal son, he couldn't get no help until he cried out, until he recognized where he was. It's time for us, church, to recognize where we are for real. Lord, I have this problem because. Come on, we need to quit burying stuff and we need to tell the truth. We get to the root of what's causing things that's going on in our lives. When you go to a lawyer, they got to get to the root. When you go to a doctor, they got to get to the root. When you go to a dentist, they got to get to the root. Everything, there's a root. And if you don't get to the root, you're going to have the same problem. I tell people, you can say you sorry all you want. But if you are not in the word of God digging up this stuff through the word, you're going to go right back to that same pattern and you're going to be worse off than you were before. Quit all your smiling and fooling people like you all right and you're not all right. Deal with it through the word of God. That's what the sons of God do. We resemble Jesus. We do what Jesus done. If you're reading about Jesus, you should be doing what Jesus done. The Holy Spirit is there to help you, but he's not going to go outside the truth. So when someone tells you the truth, don't get mad. Just say, thank you for telling me the truth. But at this time, I'm not ready to accept it. 
But I thank you for being truthful. And the only thing the person can do that delivered the truth is to go into prayer and say, Father, I did what you required of me to do. How many of y'all know in the word of God when Jesus spoke something, how many times he speak it? How many times? And he went on, didn't he? Even when he spoke to the fig tree, did he stand over that tree and say, I ain't leaving till you die? So how many times you going to stand over a person and keep hammering them over the head? I done told you once, done told you twice. Are you stupid? That's not what we're supposed to do. We give them truth and we go on. We've done our part. We have planted, somebody's going to water, God is going to get an increase. But you don't keep hanging around a person that don't want change. You separate yourself. I don't care who it is. If they want to keep acting like they're acting, you got to leave them to themselves. You got to even quit praying for them and let Satan get a hold of them so they can come back. It's in the word. You leave them. It's too many people hoovering over people trying to get them right. The word is what does that, not you. We got to be open and honest with people because guess what? We cannot manifest the sons of God. Let me show you this. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature, creation, waited for the manifestations of the son of God. Even creation is waiting for us to manifest. We're going to do it when Jesus comes, but creation is saying, come on, y'all. Y'all supposed to be raising the dead. Y'all supposed to be setting the captives. Where are the sons of God? Where are they? We talk about Jesus, but can I ask y'all something? Are we about Jesus? You come in here to be taught. You go out there to give what you've been taught. You come in here to be taught about who you are, sons of God. You go out there and you live like you've been taught. That's what happens when you're in your um, father and mother's home. They teach you in the way you should go. At least some of them do. Some of them can only teach you what they've been taught. But thank God that he got some people out there to help you to turn that stuff around that they're teaching you that's not right. Come on, that's why you have some teachers in school to say, baby, that's not the way you do that. But that's what mama said. Okay, baby, but let me show you. Then they go home. My teacher said, who your teacher? I'm your mom. So this is why we have to be taught. That's why you wait on your ministry. You wait on what God, God got to prepare you for where he's taking you. Quit getting ahead of yourself. It, the reason why people are ahead of themselves, because you find that so many people trying to put them in a position that they're not ready to be in. Everybody can't be pastors. Why? Because your home tore up. How can you pastor a church when you can't even give your wife money to take care of home? Or you can't even take care of your kids the way they need to be taken care of. And you're behind the pulpit trying to tell the congregation how to live. And you're treating your wife like she's nothing. We always want titles. We always want to be in front of people, but we don't want to live the life that God wants us to live. He wants us to live as sons. 
But you got to be taught. Right here. That's why the Bible says the anointing, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you. He will show you what you need if you would just get in the word. You can't tell me you in the word of God and you still holding grudges. And you still not doing what you supposed to do according to the word. That's not being a son. That's being a hypocrite. Being sons is the biggest honor there is in the body of Christ. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to show forth him through being sons. So let's stop trying to be something that God has not called us to be. And let's get taught dealing with sonship and being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's when we will know we will be able to prove what the good and acceptable will of God is for our lives. Walking as sons, manifesting ourselves as sons amen anything we do they're going to know where we're from they're going to know it's not of this world so you don't have to introduce yourself hello everybody i'm apostle you're going to hit the floor in five or six seconds boom (laughs) when i go in and out of grocery stores and i say deborah god is getting ready to manifest don't run deborah God see a need in this store. When you see a sick person, you're supposed to automatically manifest. <laughs> when Jesus saw him, he didn't get permission. He went up to him and say, be healed. Be made whole in Jesus' name. And he left. <laughs> that was the end of it. But what do we do? We walk past somebody dragging a leg <laughs> and don't say nothing. Matter of fact, we walk past older people trying to make it with the grocery. Is that so in sonship? Because we're always rushing, trying to get in and out of places. We're only thinking about ourselves. That's not so in sonship. We're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That means we ain't sleeping with the neighbor's wife or the neighbor's husband. That means we're not trying to take from the neighbor to get. Come on. If we keep those two commandments, we kept them all. Number one is loving God. When you love God, you can love your neighbor. So church, it's time to do this all over again. Because some people are out of the will and the way of God. Either we're going to do it his way or we don't do it no way. We walk and we live and we talk like sons of God. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. There's a song that says, I want to be more and more. Like Jesus, 